Luke 2, verses 10 through 12 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the word of God, for the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, that we know through the inspired word. And so we gather together today as we do every week. Lord, we gather together today in a special way on Christmas Eve and we remember the incarnation. We remember the day the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And God, we acknowledge as your people that we have seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And we proclaim to those around us who may not know Jesus that salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. And so, Lord, we pray that today, though our hearts may be tempted to cling to all kinds of good things, that today we would shed all of the weight and all of the things that bind us, all of the things that distract us, that we would cast those aside and we would stare solely at the Savior in the manger. That we would see that you have come to us in a beautiful powerful way, Lord. Would you be present among us? And as we look to you in faith, God, would you fill our lives with joy, with light, cast a light into the darkness so that the darkness may not overcome it. And so Lord, we look to you tonight and ask that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I've been praying about this evening and as I've been thinking about you all and and trying to ask the Lord, what specific thing do you have for your people on Christmas Eve? When every year we think about the child in the manger, every year we think about the, the coming of Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths. Lord, what do you have for your people today? And the phrase that's just been coming to mind over and over and over again, is that salvation is a surprise in this text. Specifically because Jesus was not the savior that the shepherds expected. Imagine for yourself, if you will, you are a shepherd in first century Israel. You are out there with your shepherd friends at night. You're watching your flocks. You've got your shepherd crook. You are, you're keeping watch so that, so that thieves and wild animals don't come and, and snatch one of the, the lambs away and, and take them away. You're, you're watching your master's flock. He will certainly demand repayment from you if you let one of his sheep go astray. And so you're out there at night, in the dark, unsafe, watching your flock. And out of nowhere, bright light shines. You're, you're blinded by the light. An angel appears to you and says, shepherds, I have good news for you. A savior has come to you today. Now, the way you would understand that news, the good news of a savior coming to you that day is completely dependent upon the context that the shepherds were living in. So check this out. Shepherds in Israel were Jewish men, and as Jewish men, they were being oppressed by Rome, right? The Jews didn't have freedom. They lived in their land, but they served their 
Roman overlords, and they were a very harsh and, and brutal, violent empire. And they were oppressing the Jewish people with taxes and with threats of violence, and they didn't have freedom. And so to hear that this day unto you in the city of David is born a savior, you think immediately in terms of national political salvation. But there's something else. These shepherds, not only were they Jewish people, but they weren't exactly revered people in the Jewish community. They were, they were bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. They didn't have status. They didn't have wealth. They didn't have their own lands. Most of them were hired hands, serving a master, guarding their flocks. And so they hear this day that a, a savior is born to you. It would be easy to think of it in terms of socioeconomic salvation, rescuing, help, a hero. And so the announcement of the birth of the Savior would have sparked hopes of freedom and prosperity for the shepherds. So remember, you're imagining yourself as a shepherd. You're out there with your shepherd friends. You've got your shepherd's crook. You're watching your flocks. And so the angels come and they say, guess what? A Savior. And all of these thoughts going through your mind. Yes, finally, Rome is going to get what's coming to them. I'm finally going to get what's coming to me. I'm finally going to have a chance at life. I'm finally going to be able to take care of my family. I'm finally going to have some land. I'm finally going to have some hope in life. Where is this savior? Where can I join his army? Where can I enlist so that I can go and take it to Rome with the savior? And the angel says, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. We all know stories of the knight in shining armor who saves the damsel in distress from the vicious dragon, some hero, some powerful warrior. This is what they expected. And instead, they got an infant in an animal's feeding trough being cared for by a teenage girl. Jesus is not the savior the shepherds expected. And I don't think Jesus is the savior that we expected either. See, think about your life. Think about the difficulty that you experience, the trials, the troubles. Think about your prayers for salvation that have occupied your time with the Lord most recently. What are your troubles that you need God to intervene in order to bring something good to you? What is it? Is it relational? Is it your marriage? Is it your family? Is it financial deliverance? Is it social acceptance or redemption? Maybe you're experiencing the consequences of decisions that you've made in the past and you want someone to come in to the rescue. You want someone to come in and sweep you away to take you someplace where you can establish a new identity, like full on uh, witness protection. Like I just need a new life, Jesus. Come and give me a new life. Maybe you're like the shepherds and you think the problem with the world is an oppressive system of government. Maybe you're like the shepherds and you think that the problem is our lack of opportunity in a culture that favors those born into elite status and privilege. How can the baby in the manger 
possibly help us? How can the child in the manger save us? The shepherds and the Jewish people expected a warrior and they got a baby. They wanted strength and they got weakness. What do you want God to do for you? What do you want God to do for the world? I think what we have when we think about our hopes for God's activity is intervention in the world. We talk about them in terms of hopes, but I actually think they're expectations. We expect that God would work according to our plans, according to our desires, according to our expectations. And if we're honest, Jesus doesn't meet your expectations. He doesn't come and write all of the wrongs right in front of our face. He doesn't come in and, 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 and keep us from every ounce of pain that we would experience in life. He doesn't keep us from loss. He, 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 doesn't do all, he, doesn't, he doesn't answer to us. That's what it is. Jesus doesn't answer to us. And so sometimes we can be discouraged. We can be disappointed because Jesus is not the savior that we expect. Jesus would continue not being the savior that the Jewish people expected. It wasn't just as a baby, but even as he grew older, he was not the Messiah. He was not the Christ that the people expected. They still wanted someone who would take it to Rome, but they got a Messiah who left Rome alone for the most part and really took it to the religious leaders. He was calling them out on their sin. This is not what we signed up for, Jesus. When I put my faith in you, I did not expect you to come and tell me what was wrong with me. I expected you to come and validate everything I thought was wrong with everybody else. But Jesus comes into our life. He shines a light in the darkness and he says, my son, my daughter, this in you must go. This in you must be overturned. I came to heal this in you. What is the this? See, Jesus isn't the savior that the shepherds expected. He's not the savior that we expect, but he is the savior that we need. See, we'll never understand the salvation that Jesus brings if we don't understand the salvation that we need. And although there is much that is wrong with the world, Jesus came to save us from a very specific enemy. Today, as with the first century, the problem is not some system of government or unequal economic status. The problem was and always is sin. Always has been. Since the moment sin entered the world, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the garden, their relationship with God was broken and everything else would follow from that. And so today, our greatest need, the greatest enemy that we need saving from is not our desperate financial situation. It's not our, our unfair boss. It's not our, uh, our desperate marriage. It is sin that we need deliverance from. And so Jesus saves us from our sin. See, the problem with the world is not everything that's out there, outside these walls, outside in the country, in places of power. The problem with the world is in here. What's wrong with the world is the very thing that's wrong with our own hearts. See, the same 
kernel of sin that grows and sprouts violence in the world exists in all of us. The same selfishness and greed and violence that results in the world's greatest atrocities exists with our own, within our own hearts and our own minds. Yeah, you can look at yourself and you can say, well, I'm not this bad. Great. By the grace of God, you are not that bad. But given to sin's desires, we are all capable of the things that we condemn in the world. Each and every one of us. The primary reason that sin is a problem is because it results in this separation from God. And it results in a separation between us. One of my friends has said that sin causes a thingness. You can't really like put your finger on it, but when there's sin in a relationship, there's just this thing that's between you, that separates you, that, that inhibits uh, joy in the relationship. There's just something in the way that creates this thingness. And so it separates us from God. It separates us from one another. And so this world is a dark place, but the Christmas story is about how God has shined a light into the darkness. The Christmas story is not the story that the world tells. Everywhere out in the world, in department stores and Hallmark movies, they will tell you that Christmas is about how human beings, if we would just band together, that we have the light within us and we can make this world a better place. And the Bible says you can't. The birth of Jesus says you can't. The reason Jesus had to come is because we don't have the light within us. The reason Jesus came is because we need the light within us to cast a light in the darkness, to expose the sin, to heal the shame, to heal the brokenness. That is why we need the Savior. Not to fix what's out there, but to fix what's in here. And so the coming of Jesus, the, the celebration of the incarnation, God with us is a reminder that what we need may not be what we expect, but it's so much greater than we could imagine. The shepherds were invited to look into the manger and see not weakness, not a baby, not a warrior, but to see a savior because Jesus Christ in his presence with us undoes what sin created, undoes the separation between us and God because Jesus is God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is the one who left his throne in heaven to be with his people, to show us the light and to show us the way. God so loved the world that he sent a savior. He sent his son. We are not the savior, but our savior is in the manger and he is a greater savior than we could imagine. And so this is why the angels announced that the birth of Jesus is good news for all people because all people share the same ailment. All people need the same cure. And on that silent night, the cure was born. And so we must take hold of this salvation. We must put our faith in this savior because it is through faith in who Jesus is and what he has done that salvation comes to all who believe, but it is different than we expected or desired. 
There's an old story about a, a, a drowning man who had faith in God to save him. He's drowning. He believes that God's going to save him and a boat passes by and the captain of the boat throws him a, a, a life raft. But the man refuses to take hold of the life raft because he believes that God himself would save him. The boat takes off. Another boat pulls up. And a deckhand jumps in, swimming to him a life vest and, and tries to give the man a life vest. But the man refuses the life vest because he believes that God himself would save him. And so the boat takes off and then a helicopter flies over the Coast Guard. And a man uh, comes down on a, on, with a harness and he tries to get the man to let him take hold of him so he can bring him to safety. But the man refuses to go with the Coast Guard because he believes that God himself will save him. And the man eventually tires and, and, and drowns and he stands before God in heaven and angrily he looks at God and he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent three rescuers to you, but you would not be saved. See, the story describes much of humanity today. Our world knows that we are desperate for a savior. Our world is in serious need. But at the same time, we're refusing the one that God has sent. We're saying, God, if you really exist, if you really want me to know you, if, you, if you're really there, you will appear to me, you will make yourself known to me, and you will save us. And God says, Ex exhibit A, the child in the manger. I have come to you. I have made myself known to you. I have saved you. But just because it's not in the way you expected or desired doesn't mean that you still should not take hold of salvation in Jesus. I wonder how many of us ask God with the, the, the mustard seed faith, God, my, my faith is so weak. My faith is so thin. I, I need you to, to make sense of my life. I need you to make sense of my world. I need you to do this thing. And when it doesn't happen, you get angry at God. You get disappointed with God. You're discouraged in your faith. But God's saying all the while, I want to give you something more. I want to give you something better. I have given you my son. Look to the savior in the manger. And this is what I believe the scriptures promise us. And a promise that I believe I can make to you today because it's in the word of God. That if you seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, Jesus says. If you seek first the king, King Jesus, and his righteousness, Jesus said all of these other things will be added unto you. This is what I believe. I believe that whatever that pain is gripping your heart, whatever that discouragement is, whatever that thing you think you need is, I believe wholeheartedly that if you in faith take that thing and for a moment, just place it aside so that you can see reality in front of you. So you can see what God is doing in front of you. If you just take that thing and place it to the side and you pursue Christ and you look to the child in the manger, 
You look to the Savior in the manger. Though I know you need strength, you look to that child in weakness. And Jesus says in the word of God that though we are weak, yet he is strong. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And so you look to the child in the manger and you receive what is appeared as weakness into your heart, that, 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 that innocence, that weakness, that, that purity of that child in the manger. And through faith, you believe that it is the power of God. Then I believe wholeheartedly that what God will do in your life is far greater than the thing that you wanted him to do in the first place. And so this Christmas, you have an opportunity tomorrow, this evening, to celebrate, to worship, to sing, to give gifts. Remember, the reason you give gifts is because God's given you a gift. The child in the manger. And so every gift you receive, every gift that you give, remember the heart of God. That he came not to give you stuff. He came not to give you comfort. He came not to give you all of these things in this life. He came to give you himself. And if you have Jesus, then in the next life, you will have everything that belongs to Jesus. You are an heir, a co-heir with Christ. You want comfort. There are pleasures forevermore in the right hand of the Father. You want stuff. He is the creator of all things, the heir of all things. But here's the thing you're going to get with Jesus and all of the things, they don't matter. You're going to be all consumed with Jesus. And so this is what I want for us to think of tonight. To know that our savior is in the manger, not because Jesus was born, but because Jesus would not remain in the manger. See, Jesus in the manger would eventually become Jesus on the cross who would suffer the penalty for our sins, but Jesus would not remain on the cross. He would eventually be Jesus in the tomb, put to rest with our sin in the grave, but Jesus would not remain in the grave. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and left your sin in the grave, but Jesus would not just remain resurrected. He would ascend to heaven and send the Holy Spirit to empower us to, to, to live faithful, righteous, uh, God-glorifying lives. But Jesus wouldn't remain in heaven. Jesus is coming again. And so the child in the manger is our God on the throne. And through faith, tonight, this weekend, Christmas morning, receiving all that you have as a gift from God and receiving most ultimately God's presence with you in Jesus, you not only have the life that you never thought possible in this life, but you have a life prepared for you, a world waiting for you in the kingdom of God, where God is with you forevermore. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time that we are desperate for a savior and the child in the manger is he. Let's pray together. Jesus, we look to you in faith, believing that you are who the word of God says that you are, believing that you love us, that you left your throne in heaven for us, that you laid your life down for our salvation. God, we look to you we are desperate for you. Our world is desperate for you. Our hearts are desperate for you. And so as we fix our eyes on you, the savior in the manger, God, would you well up in us by your Holy Spirit, joy and peace 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. God, would you empower us to sing and, and, and worship you and, and delight in you in this place tonight. God, we give you our lives because you've given us yours. We love you because you have first loved us. And so God, continue to be present in our worship gathering. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.